This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, May 9th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, G is for Government previews Telluride Town Council. AHA features young local artists. General Assembly closes out legislative session. And a mountain weather forecast. Telluride Town Council is back for its regularly scheduled meeting this week. The Transfer Warehouse, Sunnyside, and Town Park updates are on the docket. In this installment of G is for Government, Council Member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me. You got it. Let's let's chat it out. So Telluride Town Council will be in session uh, on Tuesday for y'all's regularly scheduled meeting. And you're starting off with one big item in the morning. Can you chat what that is? Yeah. So in the morning, we have an appeal hearing. Um, basically, the town council is going to be reviewing a decision that uh, the Planning and Zoning Commission made uh, regarding the new designs for the transfer warehouse. Just full disclosure, I'm recused from this conversation at the council meeting um, because I work at the transfer warehouse, so I have a conflict on that issue. But um, really, basically, uh, back when the transfer warehouse was sold to Telluride Arts, it was part of a larger PUD uh, agreement. And uh, one of the conditions of that agreement with the town and the developers was that the um, transfer warehouse be sold to a nonprofit for public benefit and that um, it get a roof put on it. And so basically what Telluride Arts uh, wants to do is install a partial roof instead of a full roof to maintain some outdoor courtyard space in the building. Um, and it would have a rooftop for about um, 70% of the indoor space and then sort of an, a garage door openable door. So um, some neighbors are concerned about the noise uh, impact that having only a partial roof instead of a fully enclosed roof will cause. And so they're appealing that decision that PNC made to allow a partial roof. So that will take up the whole morning. Um, and then what do y'all have going on in the afternoon? We have a bunch of administrative stuff. Um, probably the next most interesting thing will be second reading of an ordinance for a new uh, noise, um, new noise ordinance, which most basically will allow um, the sound time cutoff to be extended from 9 p.m. until 11 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays and special occasions by permit. Y'all will also be talking about housing, the latest housing project for the county and the town. Uh, can you share what that's going to be looking at? What I think uh, most of the public will be most interested in is a recommendation from the Sunnyside Project Committee. That's our new affordable housing project that uh, we've done in partnership with the county. And um, I'm a part of the Sunnyside Subcommittee, which is members of the county, members of town, um, government, and we've been putting this project together, and we're nearing completion. So now is the time when we talk about how much rent's going to cost and how the lottery is going to work. And so this recommendation is um, 
includes rent schedules, um, qualifications for the lottery, all of the rules, who gets more chances in the lottery based on seniority or hours worked and um, all of that sort of thing. So in order for that to be finalized and for us to announce, you know, when the lottery is going to be and open up the applications, uh, the town council is going to be looking at this um, recommendation and voting on it on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday morning, the county commissioners, as their governing body, will also look at this same recommendation. And if both um, bo uh, government bodies pass it um, without any changes, then we will get to move forward um, with the next step of the lottery and getting people into these units, which we're really excited about. And then, yeah, lastly, we'll get into our uh, administrative reports. And we've really been trying to make the this section of, you know, manager's report and a report from our town attorney and town council members to be more informative um, for not only for ourselves on ourselves on town council, but for the community listening on the radio as well. And um, it'll be our first manager's report from our new town manager, which we're super excited about. Um, he's going to be updating us on some uh, facilities projects in the park, including the skate park renovation and our new campground facilities building, which will have new showers and bathrooms. And um, we'll recap how the winter community housing program in the park went. And then um, we'll also probably be discussing some of our new um, changes and updates to the Town of Telluride's communication department and strategies for just communicating with the public better um, in our public outreach. Well, it's a maybe not quite as full as some of your past meetings have been, but still a pretty um, big meeting for Town Council on Tuesday. So Geneva, thanks so much for taking a couple minutes to share what's going to be happening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. Show me who you are. So goes the title of this month's exhibition at the AHA School for the Arts. The show is a juried exhibit featuring works by artists across the area, ages 13 to 18. We have some incredible artists, young artists in this region, and we have this beautiful new gallery, and this seemed like a really fantastic opportunity to give them a chance to show their own pieces and also their voices, their creative voices. How often does a 13-year-old get a chance to show in a professional gallery? That's Chris Kwasniewski, exhibitions manager for AHA. The pieces were selected, she explains, based on the quality of the work and also answers to a series of questions. So we asked each artist for an artist statement. We asked them why they chose to submit this particular piece of artwork, what they loved or hated about the medium the piece was created in, and how they created this piece of artwork, what inspired them, and what they wanted to say with the pieces. And some of them really gave some fabulous answers. One thing for me was definitely finding chaos within beauty, and also beauty within chaos, so how they sometimes complement each other. Charlotte Guest is a student at the Telluride Mountain School. Her piece, titled 11320, is a massive collage made of left-behind art pieces from old students that her art teacher let her use. There's charcoal drawings, paintings. Uh, I think there was some sketches or drawings with markers. When she made the piece, Guest says she just started ripping things and pasting them on the board. That randomness was a key part of the piece. A lot of people think of chaos and automatically associate it with stress and 
I guess, like fear or overwhelming things. But I think there's a lot of beauty that comes from it and lessons that can be learned from it. Darcy Bray is another student artist featured in the exhibition. She goes to school in Norwood. Her piece, The Night Before, is a still life painting of items she organizes the night before a big day. I always, like, in case I forget something, I like to prepare my stuff before in case that way I'm not rushed in the morning or stuff like that. There's a range of objects, including sunflowers. I feel like they have a different appearance than any, any other flower. Bell bottoms. I like to make a statement, and I feel like they do too. They're coming back in style. And sweet tea. I like it. It's sweet. I feel like it kind of resembles me. I'm sweet. Annabelle Starr also made a piece stemming from personal experience, though maybe something a little less routine. So I went to a Harry Styles concert for my birthday back in September. Her piece, titled Harry's Hands, is a pencil drawing of the international superstar with the lyrics of his song, Sign of the Times, in the background. Styles, Starr says, is an icon for her and someone she can look up to. I guess a big thing for me is that he's very, like, inclusive of everybody. Like, he uh, protested for the Black Lives Matter movement, like, peacefully protested for that movement. And then at his concerts, he waves, like, a pride flag around, and he sings Treat People with Kindness, which is a song, like, trying to spread kindness and just equality for the world. So it's just, like, he's just a very, like, good person who, I guess, wants just joy and peace in the world. Show Me Who You Are, a juried exhibition of work by artists ages 13 to 18, will be up in the Daniel Tucker Gallery in the AHA School for the Arts through Friday, May 27th. Stop Colorado's General Assembly is in its final days of the legislative session. This week on Capital Conversation, KOTO State House reporter Scott Franz shares insight on bills still working their way through. Hey, Scott, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Hey, my pleasure, Julia. So we are in the final days of this year's legislative session. What is the legislature going to look like in the next coming days? Well, chaos might be one word to describe uh, how things may play out, uh, especially on Wednesday. You know, they, they have until midnight to um, complete their work, but there are still so many bills. I'm looking at the list today and, and just dozens still moving through. Um so it'll it'll take a little while for us to find out, you know, what what advances, what perhaps has to be um, sacrificed to, you know, advance other pieces of legislation. This is some of the most intense kind of deal making we see during a session when when people are running up against a deadline. Um, you know, some debates have run their appear to have run their course. For example, this um, issue of you know, property tax reductions and, and savings, um, you know, that, that is advancing and is expected to get to the governor's desk. But things like the response to the fentanyl crisis are still um, somewhat up in the air. You know, there have been several controversial amendments to that legislation. Um, both chambers still need to agree on a final version. You know, there's this question of whether to ban flavored tobacco products and the political debate around that still ongoing. So, yeah, it's it's 
it, it feels like there's much more still at stake than perhaps some some previous sessions this this late in the game. But um, you know, when that clock strikes midnight on Wednesday, you know, the everything has to stop. Or you know, if if they don't get everything they want done, or the governor doesn't feel like they passed a specific priority, then you know we you know, could see a special session, but I haven't heard any talks of that quite yet. We'll just have to see, you know, what these next, uh, you know, three days look like. Do you have a sense as to why it maybe feels more chaotic this session or why there's more kind of pushing up to the last minute? I think it's a combination of the legislature having a lot more uh, money to work with this year, um, combined with the looming uh, midterm elections. You know, this is the final um, chance for um, the governor to you know pass any priorities he wants to to be able to to advertise heading into the you know his reelection campaign it's the final chance for lawmakers on both sides to um, you know really really give voters and their constituents um, you know, a chance to see what what they fought for. With these final days, are there any bills that are still, you kind of touched on some of them, but any bills that are still working their way through that you are really um, looking at or curious to see what happens with them? Yeah, I I think this, this fentanyl bill especially, it's been such an emotional debate and has impacted you know, so many Coloradans who have lost loved ones to this drug, um, I think this especially is one of the most watched, you know, of the session here late in the game. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, there's been this debate, especially on, you know, what kind of penalties should there be for, you know, what amount. And um, so it's become kind of a flashpoint. You know, there's this, still this effort for collective bargaining for county employees um, that has sparked a lot of debate. I mean, gosh, there's there's so many. I mean, uh, you know, the some of the major ones have already passed. You know, we're seeing lots of, for example, wildfire mitigation, and you know, just really tens of millions of dollars to prepare for for this upcoming summer. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of serious work that happens in the Capitol, but um, in your final few days of being at the Capitol on a regular basis, um, is there anything like a bowl of candy that is always well stocked or like an especially comfortable bench that you are um, <laughs> going to miss when the session yeah, is over? I, I think for me, it's it's a reminder to uh, take some walks around the building. It can be easy to uh, to get um, feel like you're you're trapped in there, especially as the, the days grow longer. I mean, you, you see some some interesting things happening, like lawmakers tend to, especially in the Senate, you know, they'll get a grill out and, you know, flip hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill on the balcony, you know, overlooking the mountains and Civic Center. And um, it's kind of got that end of, of school like feeling for a lot of people here. Uh, so we're just getting ready for the final days. Well, Good luck on getting through those final days. And we'll touch back with you next week to kind of do a a wrap up on how the whole session went. But Scott, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to chat with me. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. That was KOTO Scott Franz reporting from Denver. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. The aspens are budding. 
And the passes are opening. Last Dollar Pass is now open for the summer 2022 season. Imogene, Black Bear, and Ofer passes remain closed. Whether it's working behind a counter, in an office, at a summer camp, or really anywhere, a summer job is something you never forget. This Friday, May 13th, True North Youth Program will host a summer jobs fair for teens to meet and talk with regional businesses hiring for the summer. Those who show up in person will be entered to win a raffle for $100. The summer jobs fair will take place Friday, May 13th from 4 to 5.30 p.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library. More information is available at truenorthyouthprogram.org. For those looking for a little magic to spice up their May days, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore is playing at the Nugget Theater. The wizard-filled film follows Professor Albus Dumbledore as he strives to stop the ascent of the powerful dark wizard, Gellert Grindelwald. Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore is rated PG-13, runs at just under two and a half hours, and runs nightly at the Nugget Theater at 7 p.m. through Thursday, May 12th. And keep an eye out for several films on deck at the Nugget, including The Northman, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. For millions of refugees, as well as the millions of civilians still left in Ukraine, something as basic as charging your cell phone can be a challenge. KBUT's Christopher Biddle has more on a group of students and climate activists at Western Colorado University trying to help. Photovoltaic solar panels are expensive. They're also hard to recycle, and their production degrades over time, often resulting in a lifespan of about 20 to 25 years, depending on the purpose. What's more, the amount of solar panel waste in the U.S. is increasing. By the end of the decade, the panels used in the first generation of industrial-sized solar farms will no longer be up for the task. But amongst all those problems, Richard Stromberg and his colleagues found a solution. So literally we just direct wire the USB port from the O'Reilly's or Napa or AutoZone directly into the junction box on the photovoltaic module. And then we attach it here and uh, whoever uses it, all you have to do is point the module at the sun and plug in your USB device. Stromberg is a professor at Western Colorado University in Gunnison. He's also a PhD student studying the viability of giving discarded solar panels new purpose. He co-founded the nonprofit Equitable Solar Solutions, doing just that. Usually, they partner with housing advocates to provide cheap access to solar. Today, he's invited the college community to help assemble solar-powered USB chargers that will eventually go to Ukraine and Poland. We're on the patio outside the student center. The panels are dented, scratched with paint peeling and other signs of sun damage. Electrically, these are fine, but we found some issues that we wouldn't want to put on those households because we're not confident they'd last another 20 years. But they're still usable for quite a while, so send them to a war zone, send them to a uh, refugee uh, area, uh, let them travel overseas. It's, it's not the end of the world if something gets damaged, but we'll get as much life out of them as possible 
Uh, and they could last another 20 years, but even if they last just another year uh, over in Ukraine, that's better than nothing. That's better than sending them to the landfill. Researchers estimate that by the year 2050, discarded solar panels could amount to 78 million tons of what most people would call waste. Stromberg and his colleagues have found a way to turn that stream of waste into not only a product line, but also a humanitarian resource. Campbell Mixon is a Western student and an intern at Equitable Solar Solutions. These solar panels really just provide access to those who can't um, afford energy or be connected to the grid. To me, energy is something that, like, it's a basic necessity at this point. It's something kind of like water and food. People shouldn't have to go without it. Back inside the student center, I talked to Maria Struble, who's brought her freshman general ed class to help with the project. What better way to teach social activism and political science than engaging in doing something that will benefit people who are displaced and oppressed? And so we just wanted to get our heads dirty and like talk about those issues by doing something about them. Once the chargers are all put together, Struble distributes colored markers. The students scrawl messages of courage and doodle peace signs and rainbows. There's even an impressive rendering of the school's mascot, the Mountaineer. The panels still don't look new, but the decorations are an obvious metaphor for their renewed purpose. For KBUT News, I'm Christopher Biddle. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with wind gusts as high as 40 miles per hour and a low in the mid-30s. Tuesday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night. The high is around 65 degrees with a low around 40. Winds could gust as high as 40 miles per hour. Wednesday, expect mostly sunny skies with a high in the mid-60s and wind gusts as high as 45 miles per hour. Wednesday night should be partly cloudy with a low around 35 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, May 9th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. Headline! Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> That's going at the end of the news. <laughs>